And he is risen. He is risen Amen. Please be seated. We move into our time of teaching on this good Easter morning. I don't know about you guys back there, but it smells really awesome up here. <laughs> like you go outside, it smells awesome. We just I'm glad the room smells like flowers, you know? It's you guys rocked on the cross. It's pretty cool. So photo op. Um, all right. Well, this morning. We begin with Mark chapter 16. Do not be alarmed, he said. This is Jesus. You're looking, or the angel. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. The place where you had laid him. Uh, let's see. See the place where you'd laid him? Go, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So this beautiful Easter morning, and it's got to be one of the most beautiful that we've had in quite some time. um, We need to only present one thing. Contrary to much of what is thought on Easter morning, And the thing is, what shall we do in response to the Easter resurrection of Jesus? What shall we do in response? It is a call to action. What shall we do? That is the only reasonable question this morning, isn't it? So here are three responses to Easter building. The good, the better, and the best. The good, the better, and the best. First, the good response to Easter. And this is the one most of us have been taught. There is a very common, and I'm going to call it cheap, modern, modern day, meaning modern philosophically, response to the resurrection. And we have to, in some respects, renounce it. We must not settle for the cheap, shallow response to the resurrection that says, Oh, good, Jesus rose from the dead. Now we all have eternal life. Isn't that happy? And then we all go back to our normal living. Jesus certainly is our hope of eternal life. Let's not forget that. Jesus certainly did rise from the dead, physically, bodily, literally rise with a new body. The same, but yet transformed. But that's not what Easter is all about if we read the responses to Jesus' resurrection as we find in all four Gospels. If you were told, if you told your young child, Simply that Easter is all about eternal life. That's a good start. It's a really good start. But you miss the better and the best. Why? Well, because most all religions and faith around the world, all faiths around the world, and including that, for that matter, all atheists believe in life after death. They may not believe in Jesus. They may not believe in God, as we even think about him in Western culture. But everyone pretty much believes that you go on somehow after death, either bodily or in spirit of somehow. So to say eternal life to the world gets hardly any traction. It's a big yawner. And everyone says, "Mm mm-hmm, that's nice. That's a good start. Life after death is nothing new. So let's not just turn the Resurrection Day, Easter, into simply echoing what any other religion or any atheist might agree with. But it is a good start. The better response 
to Jesus rising is exactly what we find at the end of Mark's gospel. Good old-fashioned fear. The women fled the tomb because they were afraid. And probably more in our vernacular, the better thing would be they fled the tomb because they were freaked out. It was a freaky moment. Something supernatural, metaphysical was going on. They saw a dead man, and it is not there. What happened to him? Logically, they're going to think someone took it. How the stone get rolled away? That this was a CSI moment, and it was not working for them. But fear is the better response. We came to fix the body, the women said, for permanent burial, and it's gone. Not only is his body missing, but there's a man in a white robe standing here who looks really strange. And he's telling us that Jesus has risen. He's not here. Go tell Peter and the others. Okay. Afraid and freaked out is what we find in, in, even in scholarly circles. And by scholarly circles, I mean liberal and conservative Christian circles, secular scholars that study. There are secular scholars. I don't know if you know this or not. There are secular biblical scholars. People who are not Christian, don't believe in God, but they thought it was a good career. One in particular is Dr. Geza Vermesh, Jewish, a New Testament scholar. Another is Dr. Ed Sanders, very, very famous in nerd land out there for being a scholar. Vermesh and Sanders both agree on these facts about the resurrection. One, there's historical evidence that shows the body was not in the tomb. The tomb is empty. All agree. Two, the disciples did not steal it. Very, very important. Three, and here's the scary part. Those first followers began to act radically different after the supposed resurrection, scholars say. The first followers began to act like a resurrection movement. They began to behave in a way as though death was dead. And that's hard evidence to scholarship. Preaching that Jesus rose from the dead, the first church said, they acted unafraid at arrest, punishment, torture, and even death, and they announced to the world that as everyone back then knew, was not even completely different than what we all think today, that dead men don't rise. But scholars won't say, Vermesh and Sanders both, won't say that they are Christian or they believe. When pressed to the point... They just simply say, I don't know. Why? Because just like the women who fled the tomb, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. To come and encounter God is a terrifying moment, and so it should be. To be freaked out and unsure of Jesus' empty tomb means at least there's a whole new ball game in human history. Death is not so predictable as we once thought. What if Jesus really rose from the dead? Well, we better be afraid and freaked out. Why? Because God is afoot. God is real. And it disrupts every philosophical argument that can go on. 
and people who don't want to submit, just simply leave it alone. And that brings us to our best response to Easter. If we were just cheap religionists, we might settle for, yay, Jesus conquered death. But if we realize that Jesus was more than just a prophet, more than just a moral teacher, even more than just a first century rebel rouser, disrupting culture, we realize that Jesus had, had, had come, we realize that with him, there were some very, very large expectations for those followers of Jesus. Jesus was laying down the idea of who we are supposed to be in light of the resurrection. And this is the best response. The best response to Jesus is this. Do not be alarmed. He has risen. He has gone ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Jesus is already after the resurrection moving faster than any of the followers. You must begin to catch up and chase after Jesus. That is the best response. Jesus is always ahead of us. He is ahead of you in your life. He is ahead of me in my life. He has gone there. He is going ahead of you. Catch up with him. Behold, I make all things new. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Or to put it in my sort of little word picture, every morning when the alarm goes off, Jesus is standing at the end of the bed saying, what are we going to do today? Let's go. Far from the lame idea, the cheap idea that there's God who is frowning with an old beard and lightning bolts in his hand like some Zeus looking for somebody to do something wrong. And Jesus going around kicking everybody in the shin, saying, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus is much faster. He's gone ahead of you, and you need to catch up with him. This is a calling. This is who we're supposed to be. This is why everything matters, why every tick of the clock of your life all goes into it. It all matters. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the hopeless, the addicted, the victims of abuse, those who are unemployed and beat down. You have the kingdom of God in your hands. For Jesus has gone ahead of you, and he knows the real you. He knows all of your baggage. He knows all of your ins and outs, all of your yeah buts. Yeah, but I'm this. Yeah, but I'm that. And he says, I don't care. We have things to do. Leave it behind. Let's go. Blessed are those who are sad because your sadness and grief are not your permanent destination. Your grief is not your end. That is not who you are. It is part of the family experience of being human. But it does not define you. And not to kind of put anybody down because... It was my 60th birthday this weekend, so I'm grouped in with all the old people. So I'm just going to say this. Old people, Jesus has gone ahead of you. Stop being miserable. He is faster than you. He's done the death thing, folks. It ain't so bad. Illness is kind of a drag, but death is not the enemy anymore. Stop fearing. You have a life and all that experience to leverage. Get it done. 
Blessed are the meek and the humble, for you are the new warriors, the new fighters for justice. Your quiet voice will thunder and shake the world. Keep on keeping on. Fight, fight, fight. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who love mercy, who cannot figure out why there is war and hatred in the world. Do not cave in to despair. It is you who are being called to do something about it. Do your part in an unjust world where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, where the powerful get corrupted by their own fame and glory. For it is now true, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, they get to call the shots. No need to despair. He has gone ahead of you into the inner city, into Washington, D.C., into war-torn places like Syria and murder capitals like Honduras. Yes, our Easter best this morning is when Lakeland worships with abandon. Like heaven is all around us. Like we are already there. Like Jesus has gone ahead of us. Our Easter best is when the new people of the risen King Jesus gather in small groups in people's homes and open the scriptures and say, that's who we're supposed to be. Those are our marching orders. That is our best response to Easter. Best in partnering with the persecuted brothers and sisters in China. Our Easter best is when we make food available to our neighbors down south outside of Juarez and in APRA. Our Easter best is when we partner with the Hope Center and support inner city at-risk students and kids and neighbors. Our Easter best is when those of you who teach our children and students have all the fun and put all the energy and work into it just for three minutes of joy. When you dress up people who work with our kids, in some stupid costume and make a fool of yourself. That is when you're at your Easter best, investing in children, saying it's all worth it. You're at your best when you make the scriptures come alive. You all know the way it works around here. If you feel like you're kind of lame on scriptures, go work in the children's ministry and you're suddenly like, now I understand the story of Noah. You, 43-year-olds, that's what will happen. Mercy Street on Saturday nights is their Easter best when they face down with, with grit and determination and say, I will not succumb to fear. I will educate my demons and tell them who's boss and put them in their place. Our Easter best is when each Thursday night the artists come here and musicians gather and prepare like they are temple priests preparing to sacrifice praise on Sunday morning and rehearsing so that when the day comes, the people in one voice will lift up toward heaven and be a fragrant aroma, a holy offering of praise and worship. That's our Easter best. Holy, holy, holy is the lamb that was slain. Yes, our Easter best is when our resurrected children of light Build the kingdom of God here on earth, preparing for Jesus' return. We do not know what that kingdom will look like. Our job during our lifetimes is to collect the building materials for Christ's return. Do you get this picture? The master architect will return and build the kingdom of God. Our job during our one precious lifetime is to collect the building materials. 
Those materials look like all the good you do. Like David, who was instructed by God, God said, David, there's too much blood on your hands. You don't get to build a temple. Your son will. And David said, fine. And then he began to collect all the cedar of Lebanon, and then all the gold and all the silver and all the bronze and all the copper, and he stacked it up for Solomon. Our best response to Jesus' resurrection is when Lakeland and other churches like us go out of these doors in joy, excitement, and dogged determination to change our world in the name of Jesus. And we have as our picture that great cloud of witnesses who have gone on before us, and we hear them urging us on, saying, there is nothing to fear. Press it. Like Francis of Assisi, who built a church out of lepers. Like Martin Luther, who saved the entire church from becoming just another works righteous religion. Like William Wilberforce, who fought against slavery in the British Empire and won. Like Claire Claire Barton, who started the Red Cross during the Civil War. That is now all over the world and the model for helping others. Like Dorothy Day the Catholic woman in the 1920s and 30s who fought for the rights of laborers in this country. Like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who reminds us that this nation needs to live up to its creed of equality in the name of the risen Jesus. Lakelanders, let us be reminded that this Easter morning that the resurrection of the dead has already begun. It has begun in us. You are not going to live for another 30 years. You're going to live for another 30,000 years, another 30 million years. Get used to it. Start now. We are more resurrected than dead. We do not need to hang out in the tomb, afraid, wondering if Jesus is going to show up. The mandate has been given. He has gone ahead of you. Go find him. We have a conqueror, not in the usual sense of the world, only in the sense that he rose from the dead, and there is nothing to fear. And we find this all capsulated in the Apostle Paul in that one glorious pinnacle in the 16 chapters of Romans right at the very top of that letter, Romans chapter 8, where he says this, No, Paul says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Arise, everyone. Let us pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Join me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.